everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk. Happy Mother's Day. So glad that you're here with us this morning. My name is Emily. I am the pastor here of Connect, and I'm excited to be with you this morning. We are continuing a series in 1 Peter, going through the whole book. We find ourselves today uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, so I would love it if you would get your Bibles out. If you want to grab one from the back, there are extra Bibles in the back. We are using the Jesus-centered NLT version, so if you want to grab one from the back, if you have a different version and you want to use that, that's fine. So um, grab your Bibles for me. This morning, we are going to invite Danny Beecham up to read for us, and we will be in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses 4 through 10. So Danny, come on up. Thanks. Good morning. I don't use a mic much, excuse me. Living stones for God's house. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him and recognize the honor God has given him, But for those who reject him, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. We believe that this is living and active. And so we're going to take one minute to be totally silent and quiet um, and for you to just reflect on what this says. So go ahead and close your eyes. I will read you just the first line again. But in this time of silence, maybe ask the Holy Spirit to show you what pops out at you from this text. So go ahead and close your eyes. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen and precious in the sight of God, chosen for great honor.
Amen. Peter, I really like him. He was one of the disciples. He's really intense and so devoted to Jesus. So when you think about the disciples, if I were to say which one was really devoted, I would think of Peter. Of course, the others were too, but Peter especially. And so we have here this morning his letter. He was writing to churches. Um, Mostly they met in homes, right? Not church buildings. Um, So he would write a letter and then they would copy the letter and send it off to another house church and this letter would just spread. So he's writing to a people living in what is modern day Turkey and they were struggling. So if you were here the last two weeks, you would have known they were going through some trials. We don't know exactly what that was, but some suffering, some trials, and Peter is addressing them. He's giving them great advice about Christian living, and he's showing them about who Jesus is and who we are, um, and giving them this letter and these words of encouragement. So we find ourselves in this place where Peter is saying, this is who Jesus is, and this is who you are. And we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to dig in. Um, As we do that, we're actually going to go verse by verse. And as we do it, I'm going to share some stories with you. Um, And then we will end this morning with um, a time to just imagine something. So stick with me as we go through this road and this journey this morning. So go ahead and look right here at verse 4. You're coming to Christ. He's the living cornerstone of God's temple. I'm going to stop right there. First of all, I'm not a builder. I don't know anything about building except building with blocks because I am a mom. And we have a little guy who loves his blocks. Right now he loves to throw them. So we're working on that. He's almost two. Um, But a cornerstone. It could mean multiple things. Um, But so far we're, we're asking this question, who is Jesus? Well, he is the living cornerstone. So let's check out what what could a cornerstone possibly be. I have three thoughts for you on this, and you'll see a picture go up. And the first one, you'll see this um, this is actually a synagogue from Capernaum, right? And if you look at the bottom, oh no, the top. We'll start with the top, as that's where the arrow is. At the top, so what a cornerstone could mean is you build the entire building, and then at the very end, you put the cornerstone in. Kind of holds it all together. So perhaps you can think of Jesus as the one who holds all things together, right? Sometimes we just feel lost. Jesus is an anchor for us, and he can hold it all together. I can promise you, if there's something in your life that you are placing as this in this position, right? Thinking like, oh, this will hold me all together. If it's not Jesus, it probably won't last. So Perhaps Peter is talking about this kind of cornerstone. It's a possibility. Another possibility is he could be talking about the bottom cornerstone, and that would be the stone that you put down first in this corner position at the bottom of the foundation, and it directs and orients the rest of the building. So because this corner piece is placed, everything else gets put in the right position and direction. It orients you. So perhaps Peter is alluding to Jesus orients your life. Totally true. Could be what Peter's saying. And another possibility is 
Cornerstone, this word in Greek, can also refer to a keystone, which is at the top of an arch. So this is an, a building in Philippi uh, with the arch. He could mean that it's the stone that's the very last one. You have to put it there. Holds everything together. If you yank that out, it's going to crash. So perhaps Peter is also here trying to say, look, exalt Jesus. Let him be the top. And so often when we look at these arches, our eyes will go to the top. We were made, created beings to worship something, someone. So perhaps Peter is saying, exalt Jesus. Put all of your devotion toward Jesus. And this morning, if you remember anything, that is where I want to point you. I want to point your eyes right to Jesus. And that's what Peter is doing here as well. And that's why this is the very first sentence of this section of his letter. We are coming to Christ. To Christ. He wants his readers, these believers, to see Jesus, to put all of their devotion into him. So Christ is the cornerstone of what? Of God's temple. This is important. Keep this thought of the temple in mind. I can't go into all of the history, this beautiful Jewish history. And the believers that he's writing to, some of them were perhaps Jewish. A lot of them were not Jewish. This was not their history. Their history was probably pagan gods or no gods. Um, and so these believers don't have this Jewish foundation. Um, and I can't get into all of it, but I'll give you a brief overview of the importance of the temple. It is where God's presence dwelt. That is the most important thing you need to know. In the temple is where God's presence was, and people would go there to feel the presence of God. So just keep that in your mind. And there was a temple. Solomon built it, whoa, so long ago. And it was beautiful and grand, and it was destroyed. And then they rebuilt the temple. And at this time, Herod had been working on it. Um, so there was a temple. It hadn't, the second temple had not been destroyed yet. Um, so there was a building where God's presence dwelt. But when Christ died on the cross, if you remember, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. There was an earthquake. Um, and so what Peter is also um, saying right now is also focus on this idea of the temple. And I'll get into that a little more in just a moment. Actually, right now. He was rejected by people, verse 4 still, but chosen by God for great honor. This word chosen, there's actually two Greek words. This was originally written in Greek, uh, and I'm not sure why it's left out here, but uh, the word is precious. Jesus is chosen and precious. And to combine stones and precious just makes you think a little more about the beauty of Jesus. He's a precious chosen stone, right? He is not the pebble that you just pick up off the ground. He is an absolutely precious stone chosen for a reason. Verse five, here Peter is talking to these believers and saying, and you, there's a big emphasis on this word, and it is not you, an individual. It is all of you all. So if I were to translate this, I would say, and all you all, there's a reason why translators didn't do that because it's really dorky. I'm really sorry. But, and all you all, all of you are living stones 
that God is building into the spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. This is awesome. Here's why I'm continuing with the temple language. What Peter, I think, is trying to say is, we actually don't need that building anymore because Jesus came and died, sent the Holy Spirit. He dwells within each of us individually, and each of us individually are made up of these stones that make up the temple. So if Jesus' presence is in each of us, and we all together are built up into the spiritual temple. We don't need the building. We have you. So the temple had been a place where you could sense the presence of God, like glowing, right? But now we get to glow. So people don't have to go to a building. They can just meet us on the street, and we glow because we have the presence of Jesus inside of us. So perhaps he's also saying to these people that you have also a rich heritage, right? You're not just Gentiles. You're part of us all. To say to them, you're part of our temple. So there's stones who are Jewish, and there's stones who are from Ephesus, and there's stones who are from Cappadocia, and we're all together, and we all build up together. It's a beautiful thing. It is. And for us today, this is our heritage, and it still matters today. And so as we live our Christian lives, I know this is it's pretty American of us to be pretty individualistic, right? Like my relationship with Jesus, and that is important, absolutely. But it is also very important to realize that, yes, we are individuals who look to Jesus, we give him our devotion, but we are not alone. There are believers in the Ukraine praising Jesus. There are believers in the Congo. I spent a couple of years there. There are amazing believers who love Jesus. They praise him in these crazy ways. They're doing that while we're doing that. And in Russia, there are believers who love Jesus and praise him, who are not our enemies. We are a big spiritual house together, all of you. So sometimes we do, we need to sometimes change our perspective that it's not just about us, but we are a community of people. We are his holy priests. Let's unpack that for a second as well. Priests actually had lots of jobs. Usually when I think of the priests, I only think about them offering these animal sacrifices to forgive sins, and that's not just what they do. They are in charge of taking care of the temple, and they were worship leaders. So they would sing these incredible songs and play instruments and lead people in praise and in worship and in adoring Jesus. So the priests would take people's hearts and direct them to God. That was their job. They were the ones who were sort of the, the mediators to God. And what Peter's saying here is, we don't need those priests anymore. You can go directly to God. You can go directly to Jesus. You can praise him. You can adore him. You don't need these priests to help you worship. You can praise him. 
Once I caught my daughter and my son, I've caught them both singing their own worship songs, like just busting out and singing. And I see Bing nodding because I know his daughters do this. And I'm sure Kathleen's do it too. Oh, and Tracy's son. I know, these kids, it's beautiful to watch them. They'll just like bust out singing like, Jesus, I love you. You gave me a rubber duck and I love it. And I love you, Jesus. You know, it's, it's really cute. It's sweet, right? We don't need the priests to lead us in worship anymore. We can praise him ourselves. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, still in verse 5, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. What are these spiritual sacrifices? You'll have to come back for more of that. Amos is going to unpack it. And um, sorry, Amos, no pressure. You have to unpack it if you're listening. But spiritual sacrifices, it's enormous. Peter gives tons of Christian living advice. Those are spiritual sacrifices. So when he says, hey, love one another deeply and truly, that is a spiritual sacrifice to God. And the one I want to point out most to you today, though, is worship and praise. That is a spiritual sacrifice. When you turn on your worship music and make your kids lunches, moms, that's a spiritual sacrifice. When you're doing the dishes, moms, and you turn on, I almost said Caleb. I do like Caleb. Whatever. Whatever worship music you want. Vineyard worship music, that is a spiritual sacrifice to God. He loves it when we praise him. But spiritual sacrifices refer to anything that the Holy Spirit um, flows out from you. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are spiritual sacrifices. So continuing on, I'm not going to unpack verses 6, 7, and 8 because I need to move on to verse 9, which is crucial. 6, 7, and 8, however, I will just say this. They are all references to the Old Testament. And if you are curious, at the bottom of your Bible, it will show you where those are. So if you want to look, it will say, okay, and now go to Isaiah. This is from Isaiah. This is from Psalms, so on and so forth. And mostly what it is saying is a continuation of how Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the one who we exalt. He's also our foundation. And um, he can, people can stumble over him if they are not obeying. And there is more to that, but I do not have time to unpack it. I'm sorry. But suffice it to say that Peter is showing them, you have a Jewish history. All of this from the Old Testament is important. Jesus is the cornerstone, exalted, and the foundation here. Verse 9 now. This is really crucial. It's very important to this text. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. He's referring to the people who don't obey God's word. You're not like that. You're a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. It is quite possible that what Peter is doing here is making a connection to Deuteronomy. So I am. This is the only one I'm going to turn to. You can turn if you want, but it's Deuteronomy 7, 6. Just want to show you it's a beautiful connection. And this is where God is speaking to Moses. And he actually even tells Moses to go tell the people that they're chosen, that they're special, that they're holy, which just means set apart. You're different than everyone else. But here, God is speaking to Moses, 
and explaining to Moses, having him tell the people, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you, all of you, to be his own special treasure. I just have to read that one more time. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Peter's referring to this. What he's doing is speaking into the identities of these believers especially the ones who don't have this foundation. What he's saying to them is, you're really special. All of you, this community, you all are special. You make up this beautiful building of living stones that show the presence of God, and you're special, chosen. God chose you. There's something beautiful about moms and dads who adopt because you get to choose them. They're chosen. There's something special about that. God has chosen us. You belong to him. He chose you. He loves you. He's saying to them, you're royal priests. He's giving them this identity, right? You can praise God on your own. You can go directly to God on your own. You're a holy nation. You're set apart. You're special, And you are God's very own possession. You belong to him. As a result, continuing on, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There's a lot of references of darkness and light throughout the Bible. God calls us out of the dark places into light. And what Peter's saying here is, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. So because of this identity that you have, because you are God's child, which comes with it, all of these wonderful inheritances, right? We get to go to heaven. Peter has already shared that. We have this living hope. We get to go to heaven. Because of our identity, what then? What do we do with this? Well, we Show others the goodness of God. And this could also be translated, declare the praises of God. So once again, the importance of praising God, of putting Jesus first and giving him all of our devotion, all of our praises is huge. Peter could have chosen anything to put here. He could have said, as a result, go give lots of hugs. No, as a result, declare the praises of Jesus. Exalt him, put him up super, super high in your life. Declare all of the praises. Why would we do that? Because people are watching us. They're seeing the presence of Jesus in our lives and they're watching us. So as we praise him, Jesus like flows out of us. Show others, declare the praises. And finally, verse 10, once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. 
So just more, he's pouring more identity into them. Who are you? You are chosen royal priests, holy nation, God's own possession. You are God's people and you have received mercy. You are forgiven. You belong to Jesus. This is who you are. And what do we do? Well, we offer spiritual sacrifices and we declare his praises. What is Peter saying to his readers and what is he saying to us today? Well, he's saying Jesus is the most important, the most important. We are his children, deeply loved. And what are we to do? Praise him. Praise him, give him all of our devotion. This morning, I was in pre-service prayer. And, um, I'm laughing because only children came. I love them. I shouldn't say only children. I was so excited. It was three little girls. They told me I could share this. And, and one of the little girls, we were praying for all of you to see, like, what does God want to do this morning with all of you? And Layla, sweet girl, she shares this story. And she says, you know, sometimes, Miss Emily, Sometimes I have these really deep feelings. And Sophia, her sister, is like, you have those a lot. <laughs> she wasn't miffed or anything. She just kept talking and said, sometimes I have these really deep feelings. It was anger. She, like, explained that later. And, you know, I could pray about it. But do you know what I do, Miss Emily? I sing. And, and then I realize I need to go apologize to whoever, like for whatever reason, she was angry. She had done something. She needs to apologize. And she feels better. And it was so sweet. And it just felt like, you know, we're a family here. We are living stones all together. The adults and the children were a family. And how sweet that Layla could speak into my heart this morning. How sweet that the Holy Spirit, I really believe that the Holy Spirit put that little story in her heart to share that with me so that I could share it with you because we are a family, because we need each other. Because if Layla didn't tell me that story, it wouldn't have been so blessed this morning. That made me bubble with joy that this little girl who goes to our church knows that God loves her that he would fill her heart with that kind of praise, and that it could dissipate her anger? How great is that? We're a community. We're together. Sometimes it's easy to forget. It's easy to think we're just an individual, but we're not. We're a family. And it's not just our church. Some of you know I love to talk to strangers, don't, my mom did teach me well. I did not talk to strangers until I was much older, but I love talk to strangers. And so just a few months ago, I was picking up Zach from his soccer conditioning, and there was this mom there also picking up her son, and she wasn't talking to anyone, so I thought, oh, I'll go talk to her. I love to talk. And turns out that this mom actually moved here in November so that she and her husband could take over one of our community churches just down the road. 
And so now we have developed this beautiful relationship because she's at another church and I'm at another church. We have this freedom, this beautiful relationship to share whatever we want. She's also a mom. Her kids, believe it or not, struggle with the same things my kids struggle with. And we can talk about it and we can realize together that we're not bad moms and we can pray together and praise God together. And because we're in relationship and in community, other people can see Jesus bubbling out of us. And all that to say that it's not just our church, it's all the churches around us. We are not in competition with any other church. I can speak for myself because I often get into this place of, but they have more people. Why do they have more people? What are they doing? And it's not a competition, right? I am not going to start a softball league because you have a softball league, right? No, God has called us here to do something special and specific. We're really good at healing prayer. I don't know if you know that, but God is doing something really special with healing in this church, right? And that church way over there, they are really, really good at kids' ministry. They just are. And that's great. And that's special. And each one of us is special, but we're on the same team. Frank always says that to me. We're on the same team. We all love Jesus. They might interpret the Bible a little bit differently, and that's okay. Because all of us are saying, there's Jesus. You might interpret Habakkuk 2 differently than me, but here's Jesus, right? And you might interpret Jeremiah 5 different than I do, but there's Jesus. We're all together in this. So what I want to do this morning, I do want to invite the worship team to come up, and I do want to just close us out with a prayer as they do come up, and I do truly believe worship is going to be super important this morning, so I want to set our hearts in the right place. So close your eyes with me as they come up, and Holy Spirit, would you come? God, I pray right now that you would just fill our hearts with your love and and give us a picture right now in our minds even of this temple, this building with stones. And we are going to take the position, Jesus, of being a priest. So we're standing outside this building and we're looking at the stones. And Jesus, some of us are sitting on the fence because we're not sure we understand any of this. And we're not sure we want to be a stone in this building because we're not really sure who you are or if you really exist. And we have not felt you So Jesus, I pray this morning that those people who are sitting on the fence right now would feel an intense feeling of love inside their hearts. And I just speak truth, Jesus, that you belong to Jesus. He chose you. And it is time for you to jump off that fence and join this community of stones. It's time for you to jump off the fence Join and look to Jesus. So if that's you this morning, I pray that you would do that, that you would just say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I want to put you at the highest place in my life so that I look to you. And some of us are also on the fence and we're feeling some anger. Anger at this community of believers. We've been angry at what some of our fellow Christians believe and angry at what they have done to us. Maybe we're angry at the suffering. 
feeling this intense anger. And so for you, Jesus, I pray that you would come and that you would soften our hearts. For those of us feeling this anger and this jealousy, would you soften our hearts and help us to see that we are on the same team and we are not perfect stones. You, Jesus, are the only precious, exalted, perfect stone. The rest of us are a mess. So God, would you take our anger? Would you soften our hearts? And some of us are on the fence, overwhelmed by the beauty of this community of believers. It's so beautiful. And you deeply desire to feel that beauty, to sense what heaven would be like to hear everyone singing together. And so God, would you give people these moments, these experiences of what heaven will be like when we are all together praising you. Lord, take all of our devotion today. We love you. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.